So we begin reading Proverbs chapter 6, and in verse 20 it says, My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching a light, and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. So I remember when I was, I don't know, I was probably eight or ten years old or so, and I had a disagreement with my mom. I don't remember what the issue was, but I remember that I was treated very unjustly. And, and I decided that it was, it was not right, and I was not going to tolerate it, and so I was going to leave. And she said that that would be okay. And, uh, and so I, I packed my things, which I think involved a pair of clean socks that I took with me. I hit the door, and I left the house. Went over, and I leaned against the house over in the driveway, and there I sat for a while. And it, wasn't, it wasn't that, you know, you always hear about that thing about you had to go around the block because you couldn't cross the street. I could cross the street. It wasn't that. I just got out there, and I, I began to think, um, where do I go? I don't really have any place to go. I didn't really have any place that I really wanted to go. And so I just kind of sat there for a while in the driveway. And eventually my mom, I think she was checking the windows to kind of keep an eye on me and didn't see where I went and came walking out around the side of the house to see what happened to me. And there I was sitting in the driveway. And so she talked with me for a little bit and I decided that it was time to go back home. So even though I really kind of never left but <laughs> the property anyway. And so I went back home and I remember that was kind of a lesson for me that day. Not that I hadn't learned that lesson many times earlier in my life and not that I wouldn't need to learn it many more times as I grew, continued to grow up. She didn't cave into my demands or anything. It wasn't like a successful strike or anything like that. But, but I just uh, learned that, you know what, this house runs with mom and dad as the boss and I needed to listen to mom. And I was content to go back into the house with that being the, being the case. You know, this morning in the bulletin for the title of the message, it says, Listen to your mom. Uh, before Sunday school, Dell came in and he opened the bulletin to see what was going to be in there. And he says, Listen to your mom. He says, Where have I heard that before? <laughs> I said, Yeah, it's not original. <laughs> I know that I heard, I heard the statement, Listen to your mom, many times as I was growing up. I'm sure all of us have. But anyways, we turn to the book of Proverbs this morning in chapter 6. That's basically, if I was to put Proverbs in a nutshell, that's what it would be. Is this idea of just listen to your mom. Now, it mentions the father in there too, but we're focusing on mothers a little bit, so they're going to get the special treatment today. That's really the crux of it. He says, listen to your father, listen to your, listen to your mother. Notice in verse 20, it says, My son, keep your father's commandment, forsake not your mother's teaching. That's what I mean, just plain and simple. Listen to, listen to your mom and the things that she has taught you. Well, as we focus on that a little bit today, we want to recognize the impact that our mothers have in our life and the good reason that we have to listen to them. Now, as we do that, to start out with, the first thing that I'd like to focus on or, or recognize within this passage is an assumption. It's an assumption that we find of the mother's instruction. And that is, as we go through this passage, there's familiar language. There's familiar language that any Israelite reading it, uh, especially, and even Christians today, should recognize some of the language in the passage as being repetitive or as being uh, familiar from another section of Scripture or a couple other different sections of Scripture. To show you what I mean, let's go to Psalm chapter 119, verse 105. It says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And notice within this passage, 
it compares that to the mother's instruction that her teaching would be like a lamp and it would be like a light. The person that wrote this proverb is Solomon. The person that wrote this psalm is David, Solomon's father. And so I am certain that uh, Solomon was familiar with this verse in the Psalms that God's word is like a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. And he would have been very familiar with that verse as he's writing this down himself. And he's saying that our mother's instruction would be like a lamp to our feet, like a light for our path. So there's kind of a, a little bit of a connection that's made there. It's not the only one. If we go back to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6. Now, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, is a crucial passage. There is no Israelite that would not have been very familiar with this passage. It contains what the Israelites call their Shema. It's like the theme of Israel. All right, and it starts out, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. That's the Shema, the theme of Israel. And it continues to talk about how that Shema was going to be going to remain the theme of Israel. You know, things don't remain as they are without some effort being put into it. He put in, into place how that would be handed down from generation to generation. It says in these words that I command you, today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now there's a few different things within this passage that are similar to the proverb that we're looking at. In Proverbs chapter 6, notice in verse 21, it says, Bind them on your heart always, tie them around your neck. It says, When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will talk with you. And so you see, when we look back at Deuteronomy, what does the passage in Deuteronomy 6 say? Very similar. These words I command you, that they would be in your heart. Just like in the proverb. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, in both passages, one referring to the Word of God, that this Word of God, you shall bind this to yourself, you shall cling to it. He says the same thing with the instructions of the mother, that you would bind them to your heart and hang them around your neck. In other words, you cling to those things. And so very similar to what we see of the Word of God and the instructions of the mother. Also in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4-9, through it says, You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. In other words, just as you go through your daily business, that the Word of God should always be at the forefront of your mind and sharing that with your children as you raise your children. Well, Proverbs is doing the same thing. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will talk with you. So you see very, very similar language in these two passages. And like I said, Deuteronomy is a passage that every Israelite would have been familiar with, especially every mom. Every mom that is raising their children and trying to raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord would have just had this ingrained into them that my job is, to, because of Deuteronomy 6, to pass on this truth to my children. And so the, the assumption that we see in the mother's teaching is that the, the two go hand in hand. That the instructions and teaching of the mother are, are the same as the instructions and the teaching in the Word of God. It's the same thing. You're dealing with a book that was being written to the covenant people of God. 
And as part of that covenant, they would hand down the truth about God from generation to generation. And so Proverbs, when you start to read through the passage, you very quickly start to realize that there's an underlying assumption that the mother's teaching is consistent with the teaching of the Word of God because they're performing the same functions and they're, you're trying to raise up your children in the nurture and admonition of God. So as we start off this morning as looking at this passage, the first part of the passage that deals with our mothers is really an encouragement to moms. It's an encouragement to moms to be making an impact on your family that is consistent with the Word of God. That as you're teaching your children and your grandchildren, that you will be teaching them and impacting them in a way that is consistent with the Word of God so that the things that you're teaching are the same things that God declared to us within His Word. But not only do we see an assumption with the mother's instruction, the passage focuses on the reception of the mother's instruction. He talks about binding them on our hearts. The things that our moms teach us, we should bind those things on our hearts. And then he says also that we should hang them from our neck. Now, as I was studying through that and thinking, what does it mean? The binding them on the hearts part, I don't think that is too hard to deal with. Binding them on your hearts, in other words, I'm going to have a desire towards my mom's teaching. And as I was a kid, I should have been more eager to learn from my mom. And the things that were important to my mom, that she, the principles of the Word of God that she was teaching to, to me uh, as, I, as I grew up or anything, anything that came from her in that regard should have been uh, something that became very important to me. And I find that in my life. I do find that the things that were important to my parents are often things that became important to me because you were trained, you were, you were instructed and brought up in those ways. And so I can look back and I can see those things. Even today, uh, there's a commonality between me and my mom as we talk about things because the things that are important to her are, the th- are things that are important to me. And so binding them to my heart, I, I can see that. That one makes clear. But what is the hanging it around your neck thing? And I know as I studied and read some of the different commentaries, some of them talked about the, it being an ornament. Right? Hanging things on our neck is, is ornamental. It, we display things there. That's where we have necklaces are very common and jewelry and stuff like that. And, and what does it do? It's, it accents or it, dis, it displays things. And so maybe that's the point. It is possible that it's making that statement. That what we are on the inside in our hearts should also reflect on the outside where people can see it. And so our, our outer actions should be the same as the inside. So on the inside in our heart, if we find those things to be important that our parents have hand off, handed off to us in a godly way, then we should be displaying those things for the world within our life through our actions and our behaviors. I'm not certain that that's what it's talking about. I, I think that it's saying the same thing that it did in the beginning. When it says, bind them on your hearts, and then he says, hang them on your neck, Well, if you hang something on your neck, where does it end up? Right here. You know, Hebrew poetry is a lot of parallelism. And so a lot of wisdom literature and poetry is, uh, they'll they'll say the same thing in four different ways. They'll change up the words and say it all over again. I think that that's what is happening here. When he's talking about binding something on your neck, put it on, it it holds it close to your chest, it holds it close to your heart, you know where it is, it's right here, it's safe, it's secure. I think that he's making the same point with both of those statements, that the teaching that you get from your mom should be cherished. 
It should be secure in our lives. It should be held closely. It should be held tight. Not that it shouldn't be ornamental as well. I'll, I'll give into uh, give into both of both of those things. But I'm not sure exactly what the focus of which one is. But I think it's the holding it tight. Though both of them would be true in our lives. Now, the reason that I think that is in, in Proverbs chapter three, he's already used this kind of language. Proverbs chapter three and verse three, and he's talking about steadfast love. He says, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. And so he uses again very similar language, and this time he says, Bind them on your neck, and he says, Don't let them forsake you. Don't don't let go of them. Cling tightly to them. And so that's why I think that this hanging them on your neck is the same thing. It's clinging tightly to the commands, clinging tightly to the principles of God's Word that we learn from our mothers. Well then, lastly, we see that the final point that is made within the passage is the benefit of a mother's instruction. And there's three benefits that he lists within the passage for us here this morning. The first benefit is a benefit of guidance. Because notice it says, when you walk, they will lead you. And then in verse 23, again, he says, For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching is a light. And so he says the instructions from our moms are like this lamp. They're like this light. And if you, as you walk, they will guide you. Guidance is what we get from them. We get leadership in our life. We get direction in our life from the teachings that we got from our mothers. Why are you where you're at today? I'll guarantee you that a big part of why you're where you are today is because of your mom. Because what, what made you choose one direction or head one direction instead of another? It's a, because of the people along your life that have influenced you. And for most of us, our mom's a big part of that. An awful big part of that. And so it gives guidance to who we are. You know, every, every once in a while I run into a, an, an issue and maybe somebody will, will come and say, you know, we're having, we're having some troubles, a little bit of troubles within our family. Um, and so with, within our family, we're gonna, uh, we'd like you to kind of step in and mediate, kind of help us with a situation. And sometimes that, that situation is between a parent and a child, usually a little bit older child, so a teenager or so. And you know, one of the things that I often like to do in that kind of a situation is I just like to talk to the teenager for a couple moments with, with parents there and everything. But I'll say, you know what I, what I want from you? I, I want you to tell me, what do you, what do you picture your life in 10 years? And they usually say, Huh? And then I say, no, tell me, what, what do you picture your life in 10 years? And they're like, well, I don't know. And I say, well, married or unmarried? Okay, married, maybe. Uh, different ones. I'm just making them up as I go along here. Maybe married. Kids or no kids? Uh, probably not kids yet. Maybe, uh, you know, different. Depends. Where are you going to live? Okay, well, nice, nice home. Uh, work? What, what about work? All right. Nice job. And to make To make it short... Every teenager that you sit down with like that, you say, what do you want your life to be like in 10 years? They're all pretty similar. They want, they want a nice home, nice job, you know, nice, nice uh, good relationships, uh, those kinds of things. And then I say, now, what do you think your mom and dad want for you in 10 years? How do they picture your life? Good relationships? Think they want good relationship for you? Good spouse? Yeah, nice spouse. They want you a nice home or... Apartment in the slum somewhere? No. Nice home. They want a nice job? Good job for you? Or unemployed? No. They want a good job for you? Because if you think mom and dad want you living in their house in 10 years, you're wrong. Right now, you might be thinking that they want to control every aspect of your life. I guarantee you that's not the case. 
In fact, their real goal is that in 10 years they're not still controlling everything in your life. Sometimes it's just a light that turns on that recognizes, you know what, my parents and I are on the same page. We actually have the same goals for my life. And that's often when I point out, you know what the difference between you and them is? They know what it takes to get there. You don't. Why? Because they've already had to get there themselves. You know, oftentimes in in, uh, kids, and I'm talking to you especially right now, a lot of times we think, you know what, our parents don't really understand us. Yeah, they do. They've, They've been through... What you're going through right now. They've been through your age. They, they know what the peer pressure is. They know what the pressures are. They know what the, the desires are. They know what it's like to have all these new desires and different things you want to do, participate in. They've also been around long enough to also see the dangers that go with a lot of those things. It's not that your parents don't understand you. It's that you don't understand your parents. Because you're not there yet. They've, they've gone through what you're going through. You haven't experienced what they've gone through to get to where they're at. And so the point is, our parents' instruction gives us good guidance. It's a great resource. It's somebody that has your best in mind. In fact, probably nobody has more of your best in mind than your parents do. Nobody has a deeper love for you than your parents do. And so they have the greatest desire to see what is good for you and the most earnest desire to help accomplish that. They are a great tool. You know what? I wish I would have listened to my parents a little bit more at different times in my life. I did listen to them quite a bit, and it turned out well. The things where I really blew it are usually things that I ignored them on, and I found out that they were right. You know what? I remember when I was, uh, oh, I think we had two or three kids, married two or three kids, and uh, my parents were visiting, and I was in a discussion with my dad, and I told my dad, I said, Dad, you know what? It's amazing how much smarter you've gotten in the last five years. (laughs) You know? <laughs> and he just laughed, and of course that wasn't original me. I heard somebody else say it, but it was true. You know, back when I was when I was kind of fighting against them, and they they were trying to restrain me from doing some stupid things that were harmful to me, and they were trying to push me in a good direction, and they were concerned about me, and and all that, and I was ignoring them and trying to break away from them. You know what? I was just in too big of a hurry to grow up or something. For some reason, when we're young, we think that the fact of being grown up is to throw off all restraint, and it's not. You know what they want? They want you to be independent. They just want you to be very good at it. You see, we can be independent and blow it completely. I tried that earlier. Or we can be independent with a little wisdom and do it well. And that's what our parents want for us. They want us to do it well. And they usually have the equipment to help us do it well. We just need to be able to listen. You know, I'm thankful for my mom and my dad. But it'll be in Mother's Day. I'm thankful for my mom and the wisdom that she has given to me over the years. And, and, and I'll tell you what, there will come a day when you want the wisdom and it's not as easily, easy to get. Now, my parents are still uh, easily contactable. I can pick, them up, pick up the phone and that kind of stuff. But I remember even one time I was... Uh, trying to buy a new vehicle, I think it was, or something. And I asked my dad, well, what do you think? And he said, I don't know, it's your money. And I was like, I know it's my money, but what, now that I want your advice, you're not going to say anything? You know? <laughs> you know? I said, I know, but you know, my dad's very wise in those kinds of things. And I'm, I always buy high, sell low. You know, So I needed some help. And so I, I'm asking him, and his advice was important to me. You see, that's when I finally got to the point where I recognized the wealth, the treasure of information that I had within my parents and could use that to my advantage. And that's, that's what he's telling them in Proverbs here. He's saying, look, the, the teachings of your, of your mom, hold tight to those things 
And let the, what was important to her be important to you. You know, it's a principle that I've, I've often looked to. I always try to look at people that are older than me, not even just my parents. But I often think, you know what, when I, was, when I was young and my kids were little, I was looking at people that were parenting teenagers. And I thought, you know, what, what things are important to them right now? Because those are the things that are going to be important to me in 10 years. And I want to be ready for it. And I was looking to people that were older than that. The next stage, people that were out on their own. And grandparents and stuff. And I'm looking at them. And I'm seeing, I'm seeing how they are looking at life. And I'm, and I'm thinking, well, what's important to them? What are they focused on? What are they spending their time on? Because in 15, 20 years, that's where I'm going to be. Well, you got all that built right in front of you and your mom and dad. They're 20 to 30 years ahead of you. And, all, and you can just follow that's why God made it that way. It works really well if we go with it. But we've got to be wise enough to see it and to go with it. And so we get guidance from our parents. Not only do we get guidance, but we get protection. You know, the, the, the principles that our parents instill within us, they're, they're largely to protect us. When we were two years old, you don't let your kid go running across the parking lot on their own or try to cross the street. Because they're not equipped yet. They're not ready. It's dangerous for them to cross the street at that age. Hannah, she was just a little thing when we moved here. I didn't think you guys would ever call us as pastor here after our first Sunday. First Sunday we're in the parsonage getting ready to, to, to come over here. Not the first Sunday we were here, but the first Sunday we came up for a visit. And we're getting everybody ready. And I tried to get them all ready and out the door and over to church. And, and where's Hannah? And I looked out and there's Hannah in her Sunday dress running right down the middle of the street. I thought, oh, no, great. <laughs> <laughs> we might as well go home. <laughs> but at that age, that's dangerous. But it wasn't long before she could get to the park on her own, crossing the street, because she learned those things. As she would grow, there's going to be other things that are going to be dangerous as well. You know, you don't let them use sharp knives in the kitchen when they're five. It takes a little longer and some training before they're ready to use knives. When they get into relationships, those are dangerous at the beginning. And they got to learn how to navigate those things. And so you give them a lot of instruction and, and you give them some guidelines and some boundaries and things like that as well. And no, you're not giving them boundaries that are lifelong boundaries. You're giving them boundaries that will protect them for this time. And then they'll be able to handle things on their own as they get up. The whole goal from the time that they start out as an infant is to get them weaned off of you by the time that they're preferably 18 to 20 years old or so. But when we're kids, we don't often see it that way. We see it like these are the ones tell me what I can do and what I can't do, and they're controlling me. And we want to get out from underneath that control. The only difference is whether we're going to get out from underneath that control in a safe manner or in a dangerous manner, in a successful way or in a way that hinders us from our progress. And so as we look at that with parents, with our mom, her teachings that she gives us, they're good for guidance. They're also for protection. When I look back to the things that my mom didn't want me doing, she didn't want me doing drugs. That's definitely harmful in my life. She didn't want me abusing alcohol. Those are definitely dangerous things. And when I violated those principles, they got me into trouble and they got me into danger and dangerous situations. She didn't want me hanging around people that were a corrupting influence or, or, or girls who were... Not of the best reputation. In fact, that's exactly, if you continue to read in the passage here, that's where he's going. Solomon's going with his son with this as the dangers of adultery and harlotry. 
And all of those things, think of all the dangers that are, that are ingrained into all those different activities. And why did my mom not want me involved in all those kinds of things? Because they were dangerous. She also knew that, as there, was, uh, that there were other areas of life than physical danger as well. There's, uh, there were things that were going to impact my future, what my future could look like. There were things that were going to impact my, my relationship and my future family life would, would look like. There's just a lot of things, and those were the kinds of things that she was concerned about, and those are the things that she wanted to guide, guide me in. And you know, I'd have been a lot uh, smarter if at the time, my mom had often come to me with concerns. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. And my line back to my mom was always, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. No big deal. Don't worry about it. And I found out later, you know why she worried about it? She was smart. I wasn't. I was just kind of going with the flow, just doing, it was, it was stupid. But she was smart. She recognized the dangers and the risks involved in things. And, and because of that, she was concerned, and I, and I wasn't concerned. And I would have done well to be a little bit more concerned. All right, so protection. And then not only protection, uh, I, would, I would call this last one. I've got to be honest with you, I'm a little bit unease with how to label this last one, but I would call it comfort. When you awake, they will talk with you, the instructions of your mom. When you awake in the morning. So it talks about the guidance when you're walking. It talks about the watching over you while you're sleeping. And then it talks being the protection. And then it talks about uh, when you awake, they will, they will talk with you when you awake. In other words, when you get up in the morning. What is this? What is it, what is it t- referring to? What does it mean? that they will talk with you. I don't think it's just a repeat of the guidance. I don't think it's talking about providing more leadership. I think it's more comfort. I think it's more feeling at home, feeling steady, feeling peaceable, feeling feeling um, at peace with where you're at and with what you're doing as you are following the guidance. Now, I did mention earlier that Hebrew poetry often uses a lot of parallelism, so repeat themselves over and over. But I don't think that's the case, because otherwise it'd say, the, say one thing, and then say a different thing, dealing with the protection, and then say the same, the first thing over again. And so it doesn't make a lot of sense to see it that way. I don't think it's just more further guidance. I think it's just the, the fact that, that your mom's instruction and the instruction of the Word of God will continue to talk with you as you're following through, as you get up in the morning and you go about your life, following the guidance that it's providing for you, enjoying the protection that you've had through the night as it's watched over you, and now in the morning as you wake up because of that guidance and that protection, you're at peace. You're comforted. You're not confused about what you're doing and the direction that you're headed in life. It provides some, a level of stability to your life as well. And that's kind of what I'm trying to sum up in that word comfort. When I was a teenager, a certain point in my senior year, I caused a lot of havoc in our home, and I ended up leaving our home. I've told you about it before. I don't want to get into the details. I ended up leaving our home and living in the basement of a friend's house and all that kind of stuff. And you know what? My life was turmoil. During that time period, I got thrown out of school for a few days. I lost my job at the grocery store. My life was just, everything seemed to be just kind of crumbling and falling apart. And when I went back home and I talked to my parents and said, you know what, I want to come back home. And they said, same rules as before. It hasn't changed. I'm so thankful for that. They weren't trying to be my best friend. They were trying to be my parents. I had plenty of friends, needed my parents. They said, you know what, same rules as before. I said, I know it. I know how things work here. I want to come back in under that. And they said, fine. And so I did. I went and got my junk that I had taken with me when I left. And I came back. And I moved back into home. And you know what? Stable. 
My life was just kind of crumbling and falling apart one thing after another. I was a walking disaster while I was trying to go out and do things on my own. And my life was instantly stabilized the moment I came back into my home, back under my parents' authority, following back in their wisdom and not my lack of it. I'm so thankful for my parents. And that's the principle that he's laying out here. When I woke up in the morning that first night back at home, I was in my room. I was in my bed. I was in my house. That was comforting. And that's what it's talking about in here. That's what God God provides that for us through our moms. And praise Him for it.